2: Because there's no chance of scoring this weekend MongoCast 37 for April 30th, 2006. See why Godaddy.com is the number one domain registrar worldwide. Now with your domain registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MongoCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N, when you check out and get your .com domain name for just $6.95 a year. Get your piece of the internet today at godaddy.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, welcome back to the show. I'm Jamie Andrew Sims. Sims. Uh, oh, all right, Jamie. Since it's your last week, yeah. I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll let you go first. Finally. I'm Andrew Sims.
3: I'm Kevin Steck. <laughs> I'm Eric Skull.
0: I'm Laura Thompson. Wow, you know, it feels like I just talked to you guys.
4: And I'm not lost, for once. I, Laura, why is
2: that? You know,
0: I don't know. It just feels like, you know, yesterday, last time I talked to you.
2: <laughs> it does feel like that. It does. That's because I called you up, remember?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. That's right.
2: All right. Well, before we do anything else, first, let's check in with Micah for the past week's top Harry Potter news stories.
1: Last week, ComingSoon.net conducted an interview with Rupert Grint, where he discussed the progress of the fifth Harry Potter film, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Another interview with Rupert has been posted at MTV.com, where the actor discusses his second non-Potter film, Driving Lessons. Rupert also briefly mentioned filming Order of the Phoenix and that the scenes with Dumbledore's army have gotten underway. At the 2006 Empire Awards, the magazine caught up with Jason Isaacs, the actor who plays Lucius Malfoy, and he spoke a little about the Harry Potter movies as well as his beloved blonde wig. When asked if he will be back in the fifth film, he said, Oh, I don't know. You'll have to ask David, referring to producer David Heyman. I hope so. I can't bear the idea that somebody else would get to wear my Paris Hilton wig, but you never know. Chris Rankin, who plays Percy Weasley, recently did an interview with Online about his role in the fifth Harry Potter film. Rankin talks about his character's transformation from a stuck-up prefect to a quite nasty piece of work does the bidding of the Ministry of Magic. Earlier this month, we told you that Girl Guiding Scotland, an organization which helps girls and young women to achieve their goals, would be interviewing 100 successful female members of the group. Jo Rowling is among them, and her interview can now be seen at the Girl Guiding website. In the interview, JKR discussed Scotland and being Scottish, her career, being a woman, and what's important to her. To read all these interviews in full, head over to MuggleNet.com. For their work on the Goblet of Fire film, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint have all been nominated for the 2006 MTV Movie Awards in the category of Best On-Screen Team. Additionally, Dan and Rafe Fines made the Best Hero and Best Villain categories, respectively. Show the cast your support by voting online. The award ceremony will be televised on June 8th. Movies.com has compiled a list of the top eight films of all time, which each involve the resurrection of a character. The fourth Harry Potter movie made the number five spot for the return of Lord Voldemort behind movies like The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. Two months ago, we reported that Tony Maudsley was signed on for Order of the Phoenix. Now, Leaky has confirmed that Tony will be playing Grop, Hagrid's half-brother, in the film. Although it was expected that the cover would be very similar to the hardback version, Scholastic has released a picture of the U.S. Half-Blood Prince paperback cover, which contains some minor variations. The book will be released in the United States on July 25th and on the 23rd in Britain. That's all the news for this April 30th, 2006 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show.
2: Alright, thank you Micah. Now it's time for a few announcements. Actually, only one announcement here. Uh, Buy MuggleCast T-Shirt. Brand why, Eric?
4: Don't ask me, i will <laughs> tell you why, I'll tell you why. Uh, because, why? one, they'll keep you comfy. Two, you'll look so cool, it'll be unbelievable, Everyone, everyone's heads will turn. Three, you'll be supporting the site. Four, um, see above. For some awesome <laughs> see five, above. for some awesome reasons. <laughs> five, if you've made it to this reason.
5: You're going to
3: be paying for Jamie's food. He's poor,
4: <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. living on the streets. I am. It's absolutely true. And I've pieced together my own computer and headset to record oh, Wow. Show. Yes, with scraps of stale bread. While living on the oh, streets. Yeah. Okay. Y- using, using nothing more than an empty toilet roll holder and, and an old spoon. It's very impressive. You must look really funny right <laughs> wow. now, sitting at your computer with a you spoon. You really should go to college. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Yeah, you bum. I figure I'm a natural e- engineer. Yeah. <laughs> Alright,
2: well, uh, hey, let's, let's do something outrageous. Only a few minutes into the show, let's
4: jump right into chapter by chapter. Gasp! Ooh,
2: How does that well, sound?
4: It's a good idea. Ooh. Ooh, sounds
2: sounds up pretty a dangerous. A I know.
4: But... It, it does. We're taking a risk, Andrew. This
2: week, chapter 11 of Sorcerer's Stone, titled Quidditch. So this this chapter
4: is really focused around... Uh, Quidditch? The first Quidditch match. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This chapter, Quidditch, is pretty much focused around uh, Quidditch. I think this chapter is probably going to be about... Uh, toasters?
5: Toasters.
0: <laughs> Definitely. You,
5: you can totally tell, because if you look at this chapter picture by Mary Grand Prix, it just jumps oh out. Wait, wait, he looks it? charred black, doesn't he, Andrew? Sort of. I don't know nice. what you're trying to say about him, though. In chapter 11, Quidditch, Harry is preparing for the upcoming infamous match of Gryffindor vs. Slytherin and is given a book by Hermione. This book is later taken by Snape and Harry goes to re- uh, to try and get it back where he finds himself in the staff room peeking in as Snape confides to Filch that Fl- he is bitten by Fluffy. Shocked and startled by his discovery, Harry returns to the Gryffindor common room, and soon all thoughts are turned to the next pending day's Quidditch match, during which Harry finds his broom jinxed and further
2: has reason to suspect Snape. Boom!
0: Yes! Perfect. Nicely done. Good job, Eric.
2: The first thing that we want to point out here is, well, I found it interesting, uh, this one sentence on page 181 of the US edition. It was really lucky that Harry now had Hermione as a friend. And the first thing I think of is, oh, thank God that they're friends now. Because now you look at book six and how much Hermione has helped Harry. But moving on.
3: As all the uh, shippers email us.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But moving on, the trio runs into Snape. Well, actually, Snape runs into the trio. uh, And Harry gets caught with the Quidditch Through the Ages book. And automatically, Snape just goes five points from Gryffindor. And what I thought was interesting here was that... Snape is taking away five points from Gryffindor. With those same five points, McGonagall uh, rewarded Harry for saving uh, Hermione's life. What's up with that?
5: Yes, it's kind of like the inflation we were talking about last week where all of a sudden it's getting, you know, you can take five points away for nothing as opposed to five points for saving someone's life. But you just made a connection that I actually didn't originally think about, that the five points is simply the five points they gained by doing the troll thing so by Snape oh yes he saw it didn't he Yeah. see so by Snape coming by and taking five points away for nothing it's not necessarily like he's just he was undoing the good yeah he's just trying to get he's he's reclaiming the five points that Gryffindor had won by that that thing you know what I'm saying so it might not exactly be that he's you know starting to take more points away than he used to and everything's inflating and getting bigger I just think that's really that's just his way of, oh my god, because he he got the points back then. That they had they had earned five points. Yeah, that's a good point.
2: Didn't even think of that. Well, you did
5: it, Andrew. I mean, that, there, you said yeah. that you're like, some somewhere in there. I re- I said, what's up with yeah, that? Yeah, take a bow, Andrew. Yeah, yeah take, take a bow. bow. That no, was thanks. yeah, no, no, I'm too <laughs>
2: modest to do that.
5: <laughs> oh yeah, right. So Harry tries to get his book back, right? And he finds his way to the staff room. First of all, he tells Ron and Hermione, and they're like, nice knowing you. So. <laughs> He peeks in, and who does he see but Snape with Filch showing him his leg and saying, How are you supposed to keep an eye on all three heads at once? So, what I wanted to ask, and this is a note that I brought up, but you guys said you had the same thing uh, Snape is with Filch right now, and he's showing Filch that he got, you know, bitten by Fluffy. He can obviously trust Filch and i'm questioning what's up with that because if snape is the kind of person to like filch either filch is good or snape is looking to be a little bit more bad than we thought
4: it also shows that filch is privy to all the goings on at the castle which i, I mean i assume you should expect since he's a caretaker and i mean he has to know that he can't go on the third floor corridor and, and he has to know that and he has to know it so he can enforce you know the policy that students can't go there as well so as well as what you said which was a good point you know, I I think it it'll, it'll just also shows that Dumbledore trusts him as well. And perhaps because Dumbledore trusts him, perhaps Snape trusts him as well.
0: It really makes me wonder how much Filch knows about Snape currently. Yeah. Talking Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. Well,
5: I wanted to comparison also with Snape and Filch. Uh, Snape is obviously a very tormented soul. I mean, I think you guys would agree with that as far as he had a very tortured studenthood you know, student life at, at Hogwarts. And I think, well, Snape... Uh, sorry, Filch is also tortured by students constantly. Like today, he's facing these teenagers who will, you know, hang his cat up by a wall and, and throw stuff at him and create these havoc. Both of them are very tormented by uh, students in, in certain ways. Like Snape more so in the past. But I wanted to... Maybe you think they draw that connection and... Therefore, they're a little bit close that he can share, you know, his goings on. Or was this simply, well, Dumbledore trusts him, so I should go tell him. I mean, it it seemed to me like Snape was confiding in Filch by saying, you know, oh, the blasted thing. How are you supposed to, you know, what what exactly was, what point was supposed to be made by him telling Filch about that?
0: I also think it's uh, interesting considering Snape's past as a Death Eater and also the possibility that he might still be evil since Snape... Yeah. Uh, excuse me, not Snape. Filch is a squib. Also,
4: um, if we move on slightly, it says he tried to empty his mind. He needed to sleep. He had to. He had his first Quidditch match in a few hours, but the expression on Snape's face when Harry had seen his leg wasn't easy to forget. And uh, it says up the top that Snape's face was twisted w- w- with fury, but do you think it's just trying to le- to show that there was something else there and we have to kind of guess what it is, you, you know, if it's hate or or... Or um, or uh, jealousy, or something. Just you know, just something I think like that.
5: That was a moment where Snape knew Harry was the last person that Snape wanted to see. You know, when when burying his leg. Yeah. Okay. And I think that he would know. He knows Harry's uh, curious nature will like further derail. Yeah. You know, and and that that would set off this chain of events. So Snape, at that moment, is realizing by Harry seeing this, he's going to be inquisitive, and he's going to go around talking about me, and he's going to do all sorts of stuff he can't predict it's a situation going out of control right in front of him yeah I think that's right he
0: he probably also realizes then that it's very possible Harry was the student who was out sneaking around that night
5: well he knows he suspects coral at this point yeah but two. I mean
0: I, I'm pretty sure filch knew that there were students out of bed because peeves yelled it and I, I guess it all really depends on if he found out they ended up in the third floor corridor or not
4: uh, it says just just before they start playing, and Madame Hooch is saying that she wants a nice, fair game, and it's and Harry's Harry sees out of the corner of his eye the fluttering banner high above, flashing Potter, Potter for president above the crowd. His heart skipped. He felt braver. I, th- I think it's just important to point out there that uh, him seeing all all these things that you know are completely concentrated on on him and, and he being the centre of attention, it doesn't show that, that I mean his arrogance doesn't shine through. It's it sort of empowers her, him. Rather than uh, you know strokes his ego, if that makes sense, and I think that kind of carries on all, all the way through. He doesn't he he doesn't like the attention because uh, because he's an attention seeker. He likes it just because it helps him to do what, what he he knows feels his confidence.
5: You know, Potter for president. Well, well especially in the first oh, yeah.
4: book,
2: but by book yeah. five and six, he he hates it. Right now, it's just to help him get on his feet. Well,
5: I had thought uh, that this had actually come later in the books. I don't know why, but this whole Lee Jordan thing where. Uh, McGonagall has to keep reminding him to to stay on topic with the game because he's talking about how beautiful uh, you know Angelina Johnson is and how mean the Slytherin team is and stuff. I, I think it's funny because it's, it's interesting to see McGonagall try and keep Jordan on this you know straight un unbiased unfair you know or fair path. Yeah. And yet we've always seen her in the books you know doing things that. Kind of favored Gryffindor But not widely So she had to tell Jordan to be quiet And you know Not judge The, the Slytherin team And you know It has funny results Because Jordan says Okay so the Slytherin beaters Nearly killed the seeker I think it just shows it's his just thing, yeah. Yeah that's funny I thought it came later In the book so I was very surprised At the end of the match Or towards the end of the match Harry finds that His broom's kind of Going out of control And at first Nobody notices this but soon, everybody notices, everybody looks up, and Marcus Flint scores a bunch of goals and nobody really cares because they're all looking at Harry. So Harry's broom is shaking, and Hagrid looks up and makes a statement. Let me find this, page 190. And one, yeah, 190 here. They're kind of questioning what, what's going on. It says, well, I'm more interested in what Hagrid's saying about this whole dark magic thing. No kid could do that to an Nimbus 2000. Well, it's not only that. It's the fact that his
3: broom is shaking. And the only one to try to help him is Snape. You would
4: think that Dumbledore, Dumbledore or one of the other professors hooch, yeah. sitting
3: there would go, "Something's
4: wrong," and do something about. But, it. but even before that, the thing that, that that got me was that if Quirrell wanted to hurt him, the last place I thought you'd do it would be the yeah, in front of, of everybody, with everyone watching, and and a thousand teachers there as well. I mean, perhaps he he was trying to set Snape up, which, he, you know, I mean, he almost succeeded in doing, but it just seems like a very weird place to do it when he could have just held him back after a um, Defense Against the Dark Arts lesson and just curse him or something. It, it, just, seems, it just seems completely illogical. You're right, because clearly it kind of states that there's somebody high
2: up, a powerful, like, teacher who can do dark magic, who's
5: doing yeah. dark magic in front of everybody. Yep.
2: Yeah. Well, it, it was in such a crowded area that anyone could have assumed... Or someone could have assumed it would have. No, it, could, it could be anyone. Like there could be some. Exactly. There could be some dark wizard hiding in this huge crowd of yeah, hundreds, but thousands it, of it
3: it still doesn't answer why they didn't do more. Yeah, you Dumbledore, mean the teachers? I'm sure, could have stopped it. Yeah. Well,
2: Dumbledore could
4: have been under the assumption that Snape had it under control. He wouldn't leave it to chance. There's no way Dumbledore would leave something like that to chance. He'd have to intervene just to make sure that Harry Well, would two people doing the curse that
2: Snape was doing or the counter curse that Snape was doing could have uh, taken it off any faster? It's
3: not only that, Andrew. The fact that they didn't try to catch a person who was doing it. Yeah. They just completely disregarded Uh, the person doing it.
5: You know, okay, if it does throw him off, we'll catch him. There's nothing like that, but... That's I was true. worried because, I mean, Hagrid's saying this whole thing about, oh, you know, it can't be any students because only dark magic could affect the broom. Do you think they're a little bit careless about that, or they're a little bit more ignorant? Like, I mean, in book two, Dobby takes the whole bludger and, you know, bewitches that to kill Harry. Well, the
4: thing is here, he didn't Um, he, he, he didn't actually fall off. He wasn't actually hurt. I mean, as soon as he got back on, he just came down to the, um, to, 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 to the ground and caught the snitch. So, I mean, do you think if you're angry... That anger can sort of, like, go into your broomstick and, and and how you fly and all that kind of thing. I mean, perhaps they just thought that, that he, he was having a bad time flying out there. And then after he controlled himself, he got back on the broom and went down and caught the snitch. And only the people who saw Snape and Quirrell and all that kind uh, of thing what, what's knew your the question? real story. Like,
5: like, do you think he's like, do you think he's like, I hate this game, I hate this sport, and suddenly his broom, like, stops functioning or similar? Like, like, if he were to say, I don't want to be playing this game, so then his broom stops and...
4: No, 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 but... It, but it's like, if you, if you're doing magic, yeah, and you're influenced by emotion, that emotion uh, projects itself onto your magic. Like in the, um, oh, like that's um, true. yeah, after after Snape kills Dumbledore, Harry's actions and and his use of magic it is influenced by by how he's feeling. And I mean, I'd imagine that he that spells are more powerful when uh, influenced by emotion. I mean, I don't want to draw parallels to to Star Wars. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> I'd like to.
5: Actually, I would like it very, very much. much yeah,
4: less <laughs> uh, I'd absolutely love it. I was, I was just thinking about like the sort of dark Jedi, the Sith versus the good Jedi. How you know some believe that that emotion and uh, and power and greed help fuel your help fuel your uh, your personal power, whereas the Jedi believe that you know it's a uh, self help. Meditation, calming yourself, and And it is through hatred. True life is the real power, yeah. And it just comes down. I mean, it's through hatred that that Luke is like, you know, striking um, and eventually
5: cuts off his father's arm. It's through letting.
4: yeah, 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 exactly. And I just don't know if, like, you know, if you cast stronger spells, if you are calm, and if you can concentrate fully, or if your emotion can help channel your power and just make it stronger, and I just don't know if that can be brought into the broomstick.
5: But then I'm wondering, what's he thinking about that's making his broomstick stop? Like, what <laughs> what emotions would Harry have that would then prevent him from flying? Like, I don't think that's
4: the last thing he'd want his broom to do, is to stop working. Oh, no, I mean, I completely agree, but people could just put it down to that. You know, people who, who, who don't know him that well could just think, he's a bad flyer. he isn't flying that well, he can't control his broom.
0: Yeah, that's actually what I was going to say. Um, I think Joe made a point of stating early in the chapter that Wood wanted to keep Harry a secret so not that many people had seen him fly. Yeah, And I think Quirrell was taking advantage of the fact that not many people had seen him and he was also a first year and a new flyer so that people might think he had no clue what he was doing. Yeah. I
5: never thought about that. And up until then, he wasn't even really flying at all. He was just kind of... He did did like one swoop because in the beginning game, he was just standing up and then... He went to swoop and then he kind of.
0: Well, there was Quidditch practice, but we don't see that actually right. in the book.
5: And Wood was trying to keep Perry's secret. I think that's cool.
2: Yeah. So, what's up with these broomsticks? Do they. What other enchantments are on these things? Because uh, Hagrid says. I lost a quote.
5: Can't nothing interfere with a broomstick except powerful dark magic. No kid. Ca- you know. Yeah. So, this whole thing about. Right. Oh yeah, we don't need to worry about the bludgers because only strong magic like bewitches them to kill Harry. And oh, we don't need to worry about the the broomsticks because only powerful. And and it's like, well, dark magic is here, you know. Dobby completely, you know, mess with the bludger. I I just don't think they yeah, give enough exactly, credit yeah. to the fact that the strong magic stuff. They think like their broomsticks and their
4: bludgers and their quidditch stuff is also protected, but here it's being abused. Yeah. It's too generic, too. It's like these these spells that keep a broomstick safe from dark magic. I mean, according to this, must be like uh, public knowledge. Yeah. You know? So it it it's not it like these broomsticks have I been mean, specially, you know, um, overhauled by Dumbledore so so, so so that they can protect against dark magic. You know, it, it's as you, you're saying, Eric. You know, these people think that um, that normal, everyday magic is more powerful than, you know, the most powerful dark magic. And it just, I think it just foreshadows that even in the later books, you know, people's faith in the the good side, as it were, oh no, one more Star Wars parallel, you know, isn't as, um isn't like as founded as they really think it is. Now,
3: know. now that quote, was it referring to Harry's broom instance? Yes. Yeah. It, like, specifically, was. or was it um, because, brooms in general? Well, and brooms in okay, general, so, too. Well, because
5: Seamus, well, yeah, it is, but Seamus was just asking, like, what happened, did, did something happen when Flint hit him, and Hagrid's like, no, nothing can stop a broom except for dark magic.
4: Also, um, slightly further on, um, Eric, I'm sure you can elaborate slightly on this, uh, one of the rules of Harry Potter, according to Galadriel Waters' book, is that Hermione is always right, apart from when she gets emotional, is that right? Well, I would say she's emotional. One kind of, you know, uh, rule. And, no, but she says, so why did he just try and kill Harry, cried Hermione. She seems pretty emotional. So, well, to me, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, I just assume that. And then, and obviously, he he didn't just try and kill Harry, so it could just be Joe setting up a kind of, you know, running septology thing. Uh, wait, what page? What page? What page? It's page 141 in the UK edition.
2: Oh, uh, that's further, that's towards the end. 192, Eric. Hmm. So wait, what does this prove?
4: If, if she's being emotional. Just that she's wrong.
0: That she's, she's wrong. She's
4: completely wrong there. Everything she said there is completely wrong. She says, um, so so, why did he try and kill Harry? He didn't try and kill him. He he says, I, I, I know a jinx when I see one, and it wasn't a jinx. It was, you know, a counter jinx, counter charm, whatever. I've read all about the, you know, so it's just that, he, you know, it's setting it up.
5: Yeah, it's a reinforcement of, I mean, that definitely proves by that, you know, why'd she just try and kill Harry, that she's emotional at that point. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great indicator, too, that if she's emotional, then what she's saying is likely to be untrue, or she's likely to be wrong, in which case she is, which is why I like Galadriel Waters' book. Shameless plug. That's okay.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting, though. Do you guys think that she would fare well in a duel because of the fact that when she gets emotional, she doesn't think straight? I
4: think she'd keep her head in a duel, to be honest. I don't think she get it. She she
5: can uh, compartmentalize. I think kind of like Snape. I'm not going to make that parallel, but um, like you've seen. But you'd love to. (laughs) (laughs) But I would love to. Uh, No, (laughs) in the uh, DADA. And stuff like that, you know, when she's practicing, when she's doing things and Patronus is even though she was angry at Ron in Half Blood Prince even, she was able to send a flock of birds at him. You know, she she can still yeah. she can still concentrate <laughs> enough yeah, to true, yeah. you know, okay, spell time, you know, and, and she knows she's using the birds thing to get back at Ron and she's highly emotional at that point, but she can still conjure magic and still yeah, do but certain don't you think, things.
0: Excuse me. Don't don't you think that's a bit different though? Um, for instance, if she had been uh at that point in the Department of Mysteries, when Sirius fell through the veil, do you think she would have been able to keep her cool mm. if she'd been there when, you know, Snape, a.k.a. Dumbledore, do you think she would have been able to, you know, keep her head?
5: I think it would have been in the same kind of thing that Harry has, where he, like, <gasps> you know, big gasp, and then he has to fight. He has to bring him, stomach like, He has to do. He has to do it, where he's like, oh my god, you know, there was that point where he's like, oh my god, Sirius is gone, but... He st- he just it, it immediately went out of his mind right after that initial shock. He was still you know emotionally distraught. It was in his veins. It was in everything around him. But he still brought himself to concentrate. Everything became clear, and he 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 was swift. And he he thought of you know he dodged all the spells coming at him. It just really enhanced his perception, and he was able to to focus. And I think he, even though Hermione might be you know caught up in the moment and ready to cry, tears might be streaming, but I think she'd still you know, I think that would help enhance her senses. I think, you know, even though she'd be emotional, I think that would just, I think she'd still be able to, you know, she would not just collapse on the floor and cry if everybody's attacking her.
0: No, I don't think she would do that either. However, I think if you remember, Joe said that up until halfway through book three, um, Hermione would have won a duel against Harry. And I'm kind of wondering if that, changed purely because of Harry's advancement in the magical world. Yes, she did.
5: What did she say? She
0: said in an interview that up until halfway through book three, Hermione would have been Harry in a duel. But after that point, it would be Harry that would win. And I'm wondering if that was purely because of Harry's advancement or because Harry can actually channel his anger somewhere else.
5: And then she would have lost. She would have not been able to fight him. I don't know. That's a pretty cool quote. I never even heard that.
4: That's true. but that, Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, that's the point. But you sort of give two, two um, possible explanations there, Laura. But do you think, as Eric just sort of hinted at, that it could just be because by book... Th- you know, it's kind of r- Red Herring posed by Joe that by book three, Hermione has such big feelings for Harry that she couldn't beat him in a duel because she wouldn't fight him in a duel. I mean, I'm just c- clutching at straws, but mm,
0: I don't. I, I don't think. She, I think she was just sort of speaking objectively because it's really around halfway through book three where Harry starts learning yeah, how to fight the mentors, yeah. and he starts hmm. gaining that confidence in yeah. himself.
4: No, yeah, I think that's right. So we've
5: strayed a little bit, but it was a good stray. Okay, when Quirrell was knocked over, that's supposedly when you know he was no longer jinxing the broom when he when he lost his focus, lost his concentration. Yeah. So. The uh, And Snape at that point... At the point when Quirrell was knocked over... Snape was still muttering the counter-jinx. So you'd think that Harry would be pretty much okay... As soon as Quirrell was knocked over, you know... He'd maybe. be
2: back up on his broom by then.
5: Yeah, he'd be a little bit okay. So Hermione still makes her way over to Snape... Who's still muttering the counter-jinx... And there's nothing to counter-jinx anymore... Because the jinx should have lifted. Maybe it's on its way out, you know, whatever. And so she lights, you know... The cloak on fire... And it takes 30 seconds for Snape to realize. So that's 30 more seconds where Snape is muttering the counter-jinx, and there's n- there's no jinx going on, because Quirrell lost his confusion. And then, finally, Snape notices, he looks down, and then it says, up 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 above, you know, Harry was doing... Harry was r- able to
4: regain... Yeah, but, Eric, um, curses and counter-curses don't just, like, cancel it. Well, I mean, I'm assuming they don't just cancel each other out. It's like, I mean... If like a curse takes twenty minutes to, uh, to say, and the counter curse is ten seconds, I I just don't think that the 10-second thing with no effort is is going to completely you know counter. I mean like the curse could be said w- with more power, with more enthusiasm. So so the counter curse takes longer to uh, to you know um, get rid of the uh, curse. I mean if Quirrell has Voldemort in his head by this point, does yes, he? Yes. Do he we does. know or not? Yeah, he does. He does. Okay, he does. then. Then Voldemort could be helping him with the thing, you know, giving him advice, magical advice that makes it stronger. So it needs needs Quirrell to stop 30 seconds and give Snape 30 seconds of pure, uninterrupted counter-curse time without him, you know, saying that. I think the only
3: reason why Quirrell was sitting there muttering the curse constantly was because he knew that Snape was trying to... Yeah, counter. definitely, yeah. So he was maintaining it so that Snape couldn't fully yeah, get rid of it. I think that's right, uh, yeah.
5: K- kind of like, yeah. I know what you mean. Well, I, I mean, I personally think that it was just the way J.K. was writing the story. I think immediately after Quirrell, you know, fell, he, Harry was regaining control, but she was still writing about yeah. Hermione, you know, finding Snape, that only later did she say, you know, up above Harry was doing pretty good. Like, I mean, I just thought it was the way it was worded, and I think he probably regained control right away. Let me find the actual page. Hang on. Page 190. All right. Yeah, okay. It it was enough. Up in the air, Harry was... Oh, no, this is... Okay, never mind. That completely contradicts everything. Uh, Up in the air, Harry was suddenly able to clamber back on his broom. It doesn't say, oh, by the way, Harry was doing well. It says, up in the air, Harry was suddenly able to clamber back on his broom. So he was suddenly able... After Snape fell,
4: no, it's that's just backing up what we first thought when reading the book that that it was Quirrell. So sorry that it was Snape doing it. That's it's it's just that it's just that things worked out so that after you know, after Snape realized he was on fire, yeah. it's just coincidence. And uh, that's just it. Yeah, no,
2: uh, that. But Snape could have just not noticed that he was on fire because he could have been breathing a sigh of relief or looking or around chair, for concentrating or something like that. <laughs>
3: I mean, he yeah, he, he was yeah. not concentrating on anything surrounding him. He was just concentrating on the counter curse.
5: Well, see, I'd like to think that if you imagine two beams of light going at each other, one red, one green, and, you know, they grow a little stronger one direction, they grow a little stronger the other direction. I'd like to think that Snape, in his full concentration, would be still a little bit stronger than the weak Voldemort and the Quirrell, you know, as one muttering the curse. So, you're right, even if the curse was said before and was a little bit stronger, I'd like to think that Snape was making a little bit of headway, and I think it... He, Harry would have probably got his control back before, you know, 30 seconds, it seems like, and then plus the time it took from Hermione to run from Coral to Snape. I just think it might have been released sooner than than the story... I mean, it's a plot device, you know, but... I don't know. This was Andrew's note, too. Andrew, say something. I don't know if you want to mention this in this chapter, but at the very end of it, Haggard mentions Nicholas Blumel. And do you guys want to talk about this guy who is an established real guy? Do you want to talk about J.K.R.'s using an actual real story to start out her fiction story? We get emails on this sometimes. I mean... I mean, because we can do that, you know, later in the books when they actually discuss it. Yeah, we probably should. should. I think we should. We should save it till then because here it's just like this mention. It becomes more detailed, yeah.
2: We'll save it, yeah. Is there anything to say about why Hagrid just assumes that Snape, he, he trusts Snape? His justification was
5: like, Professor Snape is a Hogwarts teacher, but so is Quirrell. So it's just as likely that Quirrell would be, you know, if they were to say, if they were to say Quirrell was doing it, Hagrid might still reply, Professor Quirrell is a Hogwarts teacher.
4: Yeah. Y- you think? I mean... Hagrid's too grounded in tradition and, and you know, the old man's club, like, you know, loyalty and, yeah. and pe- people of position can't do anything bad. I think that that's kind of, he comes out of his shell soon and realizes that, you know, it's not black and white. People are people, you know, the old people who seem good aren't always good. That kind of thing.
5: You know what I want to mention? Uh, Jamie just brought that, uh, made me think a little bit. Uh, do you not think they should have little... Uh, Hagrid or everybody, in fact, none of the staff I don't think pays enough attention to the fact that there has not been a Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher who has lasted more than a year
4: since the day that Voldemort came but, asking Eric, for a job. sorry. It's just something that happens though it's normal there it's like what could they do about it they either think it's coincidence or they just think it's going to happen i just don't see there's anything they can do about it
5: well no there isn't but even if even if it's coincidence or even if it's just like oh well you know i think it's they can make a safe decision saying for whatever reasons quirrell ain't gonna be here next year so i wonder gee what's gonna happen to him you know But he's oh yeah of
4: course well
0: maybe they do Maybe they do, they just don't talk about it to the students. Or
4: they think that it's Snape... Sorry, or people who are privy to the fact that no teacher has lasted more than a year um, could think that it's Snape doing it and Quirrell will be the victim. And that's why he won't last you know, more than a year, rather than that he won't last more than a year because he's the... Uh... Well,
5: I'm not saying necessarily they should you know, convict Quirrell. I mean, I, I think that Hagrid should just... I don't everybody should be more open to it. I mean, it is fact, as established in book 6, it is fact that no, you know, defense against the dark arts teacher's lasted more than a year. I if I were a teacher, yeah. I just to to amuse myself, I would say, gee, I wonder why this one's not going to be here next year,
2: you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. We know that Snape has been after it. I don't know if he was after book 1 when we first heard about it, but why not just give him the role and find a good potions teacher? Well, that's that's just the question because Dumbledore did.
4: You know, was it? Yes. Do you think actually that's the? Thing. I've never actually ever thought of that. Do you think the only reason he gave Snape the job was so he could give him? Uh, you know, like, a way to kill himself and then leave. I mean, I don't know. A grand yeah, plan, I think, you mean? I think I've never actually thought about it. That. Well, that,
5: yeah. I think it's a grand plan. Yeah. Because of the grand way... Because I don't think Dumbledore really s- expected Snape to last more, you know, to be... I think placed yeah, he placed him in
4: that. He couldn't. it's jinxed. It's jinxed. It's, it's jinxed. Now, so
5: Dumbledore must have known you know, by placing Snape there that he wouldn't be there at the end of the year. And I think that's just further, you know, enforces his knowledge of Snape's events and also... Or... Yeah. Well, if you realize, by placing Slughorn as the potions master, Harry could then
4: get into that newt class. Which was cool. There could be a more sinister explanation that Dumbledore's finally testing Snape's loyalty. You know, I mean, he has to go at the end of the year. Yeah. Is he gonna go to the good side? Is he gonna go to the bad side? And And,
5: and by finally giving him what he's always wanted, will it tempt him back into his ways, as somebody said?
3: And once again, we've gone, gone from book one to book six in about...
4: Two minutes. <laughs> well, Two about, minutes. Snape. <laughs> about Snape. About <laughs> Snape. Book six is all the rage, man. So, that about wraps up Chats My Chats discussion. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew.
2: Hey, you're welcome. Anytime. Just give me a call whenever you want to talk Chats. I will do. I'll uh,
4: <laughs> give you a buzz.
2: <laughs> all right, now moving along to the general voicemails.
5: Hey, mogulcasters and Kevin. Handsome Kevin. Anyways, I'm calling because I wanted to know if you thought that Deadly diggle. Will have or Delatus Diggle will have a bigger role. He's mentioned in the first book briefly twice in the Beaky Cauldron and at the beginning. And she's, J.K. Rowling has done this before, so I was wondering what you think. Thanks. Bye. And I hope I didn't overdo the sucking up thing. I took that advice to heart.
4: Bye. Um, he does have a bigger role, doesn't he? He's a he's a member of the uh, Order of the Phoenix.
3: Yeah, yeah, but I think by bigger role she means. Significant, like ah, I, I don't think I don't know I don't know about I don't significant. Either. I think she's or he's going to play the same part that all the other order background people are characters. Play. Yeah, exactly. They're just filler, but it's possible.
4: They're also filler because, like, I mean, this is going off on a tangent. I'm sorry, but I think they're also filler because we don't know anything about them, and we haven't seen them develop and, and evolve as characters. So when so when Joe. Has to report casualties to show that the that the war's you know really happening and, and that it's a real life war. She can she can sort of say that Amelia Bones has um has you know has been killed or, or whatever because even though even though we can spare a passing thought for them, we don't think that they're essential to to, to to the plot. So these people are also there to you know knock off just to uh, <laughs> yes, that's what I was trying to say in nicer words. Okay. <laughs> I think that um
5: she has characterized yeah she has made some effort to characterize. Daedalus Diggle as a goof, you know, he he totally screwed up the shooting stars and kind He never has any sense, you know. And then we begin to meet him a little bit, Um, but I wouldn't mind, even though she she characterized him, I wouldn't mind if he stayed a background character. I think it's important to have those certain characters where we don't really know, but we know certain traits of them that make them seem more like real background people. And they're sort of whimsical, you know, like sort of goofy, fun characters. I I think Daedalus Diggle would remind me too much of Mundungus Fletcher to, to you know, permit as another uh, main character. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
3: Hi, my name is Blake from Long Island, New York, and I just had a really random question about legitimacy and why it wasn't used in the first four books, and only it was used in the fifth and sixth book. Like, did people know about it and use it on students or was it not allowed? So, uh, thank you. Love your show. Bye-bye.
4: Thank you, right? I think it's
3: because it wasn't introduced to Harry. Yeah. They we're following Harry. But that's interesting. Yeah, I think so, that's right, yeah. I don't think they were hiding it or anything like that. It's common knowledge. It's just that it wasn't introduced to Harry, so because of that, she never mentioned
5: it before. No, but here's the question. When I first heard of Legilimency, when I first read it in book five, I thought, wow, this is the uh, answer to all those piercing stares. You know, that, that, like, Dumbledore and Snape would give people, I thought, <laughs> and legilimency, this is the answer, this is, every time people oh, yeah. were staring no, right, at yeah. Harry, you know, piercing, piercing, as if they knew, it was legilimency and occlumency or whatever it was, but it actually wasn't, and you know why? Because when people use legilimency, especially Snape on Harry, he, Harry is forced to relive his thoughts, like, it's actually, his own thoughts that Snape is reading is, like, flashing before his own eyes. And that has never happened in the first four books. When when he, Harry gets the piercing stare, he, he he's never... So people are, like, reading his mind without that flashing before his mind. So I don't even think it is legitimacy or clue that they're using on him. When the piercing stare... It can't be, because Harry would then know what they're trying to
4: read. Legilimency seems to work as a specific function. No, but isn't it more that um, it's, like, normal in the wizarding world, but it's just that it's completely... F- Alien to Harry, that, it, that it's so important in those books. Like, do you think Occlumency becomes so second nature that you just close your mind all the time? So when two people first meet, or, or whatever, one person tries to um, probe the Occlumency. Yeah, yeah, just to probe. But the other person's automatically closed. It's just like that. It's just it's just second nature to try to do it, and you know, um, and counteract it. Yeah, second nature to, to counteract it. Yeah, I think it's Isn't
3: just. That, sorry. And go ahead. not to mention, I think that if you're good at it you can do it without the person knowing. He's reliving yeah, his thoughts and right. he's thinking about it, but the only reason he's thinking about it is because he knows what's happening. If he doesn't know what, what's happening, he could just be reminiscing on something.
4: Yeah, So staring off into space. Exactly.
3: Yeah. It's not, you know, these are thoughts. It's not like you're physically reliving yeah. the experience.
5: Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Connor from Canada. Um, I just want to say hi, guys, and I love your show. But I have a question. McGonagall didn't seem very surprised when Dumbledore was killed by Snape. Do you think that Dumbledore had been letting McGonagall in on knowledge of his plans? Thanks, guys. Bye.
2: We were so excited about this voicemail that we decided to discuss it before (laughs) the show. It's true, (laughs) which we stupidly (laughs) did. So we have to discuss it again.
0: I really don't think he was. I really don't think he was readying her for that. I mean, I think that in times like these, people are pretty much getting prepared for the fact that you might not see your best friend tomorrow. I, I also know?
3: think that she's a very stern woman and that she's not very yeah. open with her feelings. So even yeah, though... When it, have we ever seen the movie? Exactly. Very few times.
4: Very yeah. with, Well, a few times we've seen it. Uh,
3: yeah, a few times. I mean, shock and we've, we've seen her...
4: Yeah, but nothing, nothing huge
2: like you won't True. see her crying no. or
3: but i i think it i think it was her trying to be professional she realized that she had to take yeah, over okay, she had to hold herself <SSSSSSR> yeah. up for the children make sure that you know she was representing someone dignified yeah that's
5: exactly it i mean now is not the time Please. to be surprised yeah, You know, now is not the time to be, oh, he's dead, you know? Now is the time to yeah. be saying, what are we going to do about, you know, his body? What are we going to do about Snape? That wasn't the time for mourning. Yeah, exactly. The, the fact that, you know, Hogwarts has been infiltrated. Yep. Dumbledore must have told
4: some people, though. Well, I think that Dumbledore did... I mean, everyone knows... But... No, but I mean, if, if Snape is good, and, you know, the plan was for, for Snape to kill Dumbledore, then, uh... If he didn't tell anyone, then everyone would assume, quite rightly, that, you know, Snape was evil and that he killed Dumbledore. He'd have to tell one person, at least, who could pass the message on and show some proof of it Um, or whatever. But but everybody was shocked. Everybody did convict Snape. I mean, The only advantage I can see to not telling anyone is that the secret would literally die with um, Dumbledore and only Snape would know. So Voldemort, every single other person, couldn't find out that... um, I mean, unless they tortured Snape or used, you you know, some kind... Kind of magic on him that the plan was for Snape to kill Dumbledore, and that Snape is still on. Yeah, but so. getting
3: back more to the topic, I th- I think that. Well, Sorry. I think that Dumbledore generally prepared people in the sense that everyone knows that by going into it, you could die. And you yeah, know, that's true, people yeah. who don't think Dumbledore could die are lying to themselves. So, so the whole point yeah. is, even if he didn't tell someone about Snape, if it was pre-planned that is um he still everyone knows yeah. that there's a potential that he yeah. will get killed
0: yeah definitely yeah. i and also Dumbledore also made it very clear that he does not fear death. exactly yeah. yeah and I think McGonagall is smart enough to realize you know sad as it may be you know there's nothing she can do for Dumbledore he's dead so she needs to put her focus on maintaining the calm with the yeah, students
4: I think that's true and he
5: realized she did she did want to know and and i i think clearly dumbledore was leaving her out of at least the big secret because she was asking harry about where they went that evening you know she she didn't even know that they were going out let alone you know and she was trying to get all that out of harry and he wouldn't tell her and she glared at him you know she was actually being very very smart with him very stern yeah. and and wrong and it just shows i think she regretted a little bit not being I don't know further in on the circle. I think clearly Dumbledore trusted Harry with maybe some things he didn't even tell McGonagall, and and Hermione and Ron, did, for that matter, too. Because he tells Harry that he, you know, he he should only confide in in you know uh, Hermione and Ron, and then Harry goes yeah. and interprets that like he can't even tell McGonagall. That's really interesting. That shocked me. Like it made sense after I read it, but I'm like, wait a minute, why is he not telling McGonagall? Like, what what kind of yeah. good inclination can you possibly get by that?
2: Yeah, that was pretty long for such a. <laughs> Yeah. For easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alright, that wraps up this week's voicemails. Don't forget everyone you can call in your voicemails to one two one eight twenty M A G I C. Uh we do not have foreign numbers yet. Australia, we can't get a number for you Australians. I'm really sorry about that. We're still trying to figure out a solution, but But we can get England, so
3: we'll be getting that soon. E. Yeah. Is that any better for Australians?
2: No, it's it'll no, it'll still be international. Oh, that stinks. We'll figure something.
4: I'm sure there's got to be a solution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there will be. Now moving on to Jamie's British joke of the day. Okay, I finally got one straight away now. Instead of having to, <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> <too sweet. 17. laughs> Okay, um, <laughs> I've done a kind of a guy walks into a bar theme for for the past few shows, and so I thought I'd round that up now with a few more a guy walks into a bar jokes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A guy walks into a bar with jumper cables. The bar bartender says, You can come in, but don't start anything. <laughs> okay, okay. A penguin walks into a bar, goes to the counter, and-, and asks the bartender, Have you seen my brother? The bartender asks, I don't know, what does he look like? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, that was delayed. I got, like... Yeah. And finally, uh, as you know, I, I think finally... The grasshopper hops into a bar. The bartender says, You're quite a celebrity around here. We've even got a drink named after you. So the grasshopper says, What? You've got a drink named Steve. <laughs> 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 and to finish up, a neutron walks into a bar and orders a beer. The bartender sets the beer down and says, For you, no charge. <laughs> <laughs> I should really apologise for for, for for how bad these are uh, this week. No, I'm not going to be on for ages, but I promise I'll come back. I will for bring ages. Back a don't say that. Not Well, for you ages. know, quite a long time, but but I'll bring back an absolute whopper of the best joke ever. Okay, okay. you you'll be awesome. falling over laughing.
2: Okay, okay. All right. For favourites this week, we are just going to put Kevin on the spotlight. We want to know what is your favourite Harry Potter book? First time I read them, or after multiple
3: times? Just Both. just in general. In general yeah. <laughs> I actually enjoyed Goblet of Fire myself. Yes! I really enjoyed Why? it. Because it was the first time Harry started uh, actually taking responsibility and kicking some butt. <laughs>
0: yes.
2: <laughs> it's interesting because Joe admits... Didn't Joe admit that it was her least favorite? Because I know she says that she rushed that book. Remember that?
3: Yeah, but from a writer's standpoint, I mean, she doesn't like the book as much because she thought she could have done better. Right. Even though it could be her best book in her opinion, she thought she could have done better, so she Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. She...
2: Yeah. But if she, but if she never even said that she rushed the book, she rushed she rushed the book and didn't like it as much as the others, we would never have noticed. Right. It was an excellent book. I liked it. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. We'll get back to our normal
4: favorite segment
2: next week. Now it is time for this week's "What If" segment. Jamie,
4: okay. Um, our "What If" this week is from Kristen, age sixteen, from North Carolina, and um, she she asks, "What if Harry had not been taken to the Dursleys after his parents were killed? How much different do you think he would have been?" A lot. I don't know who he would have gone
5: to. He would have. He was almost given. He was almost given to Sirius. He was almost given to Sirius by. Oh yeah! yeah. Remember that guy's. Sirius asked for Harry. He asked, he asked to give him Yeah, a but you
3: have to remember that Sirius was unavailable at the time. So, um, but I definitely think he would be different in probably or possibly a bad way. Yeah. Because he sort of learned he appreciates yeah, yeah. people far more because of his situation.
4: Exactly, I think and that was I think a very, it depends if you who he that. was raised with. Well, that was the very true, point of Dumbledore's
3: placing but. him
5: with the Dursleys. He said exactly he'll be better growing up away from all that. You know, he said Harry will be better up going away from all that. That's exactly why I'm placing him with these mean people.
0: Whether it would be negative or positive is anyone's guess. Yeah,
5: but he, he better appreciates people
3: because of his situation at the Dursleys.
0: Definitely. Yeah. His character.
3: So.
2: so who else could he have been raised by? I mean, what if the Dursleys didn't even exist or they had gotten well, killed? Well, I mean...
5: I don't know, but, you know, Sirius offered to take him, and then Hagrid said, no, you know, I've got orders from Dumbledore. But so Sirius nearly almost had him. So maybe Sirius,
3: yeah.
0: Yeah, but they were also suspecting that someone close to the Potters had been passing information to Voldemort, so they weren't just going to release him to anyone right away. Yeah,
5: and I think it actually would have been a bad thing if Sirius was to have, you know, been given Harry because Harry right would the next day, a rebel. oh yeah, and right the next Big day, top. you mm-hmm. know, Sirius would have gone after Pettigrew. Yeah. Or, you know, his life is too unpredictable. He would have just uprooted and and gone to face off Pettigrew and left Harry, you, you know, at home in a, in a. Carriage, or you know, just left him home to go do that, and
3: then yeah, never...
0: Sirius has good intentions, but he's far too erratic to be a parent.
3: Definitely. So, who else is a potential?
2: You
0: know, I wonder would would Dumbledore have gone looking for a, a substitute family, like say the Weasleys?
2: I was just gonna think that, but like, what are the chances of Harry getting into? The Weasley, like well, not not necessarily that. have been then, the chances of Dumbledore? But I mean, Dumbledore or family like just the Weasleys, finding
0: so a mean... family that he could trust.
5: Do you think that Dumbledore would have raised Harry himself?
2: I, I don't think well. so. I was thinking that too, but no, he lives at Hogwarts. It, so what are you gonna do? Keep a little kid at Hogwarts?
3: It's not only that; it's that you you have to remember a lot of stuff with the war was still going on, even though Voldemort was gone. So, tell them what, what better
0: place than Hogwarts to keep Harry? Yeah,
3: but safety wise, I mean, Dumbledore is the is this you know everyone's Dumbledore. I don't know. Dumbledore.
2: I think. I think that. Well, didn't Dumbledore say it was best for Harry to live a True, normal
3: life? That too.
2: I agree with that,
5: but I actually would have liked if Dumbledore raised Harry. Oh and, yeah, but you know, Hogwarts would have been the safest oh, place to keep him, even safer than Privet Drive. Hogwarts. I mean, come on, and the staff could watch him if Hagrid had to, or if Dumbledore had to go off and you know, fight somebody. Is it safer
4: than Privet Drive? I don't know.
0: I don't think it is because it doesn't have the ancient magic. I mean, I'll I'll concede that Hogwarts is possibly not as safe as Privet Drive is, but I think that seeing as Hogwarts is known as one of the only safe places in the Wizarding World during a war, that Harry would have been okay there, especially with all the eyes that would have been on him.
5: By all the staff and stuff, he could have, you know, if Dumbledore did have to go off and fight some, you know, more evil... He could have left him at Hogwarts with, you know, McGonagall or, or someone who would Yeah, but
3: what does that do to a young kid seeing his... Well, it's
5: not like your father's always going away and, you know, never spending time with you. I'm pretty sure that Dumbledore would have, you know, spent the time and and raised him properly if he had... To. I just don't think Dumbledore would bring that upon himself. But if he did, I think it would be, you know, it'd be pretty cool.
3: Yeah, but it's also the argument that Dumbledore is always the one who goes to war first, kind of. And, uh, th- that's true. That's and true. And yes, that is definitely do you want true. to have the?
4: He's the embodiment of the good side. Dumbledore.
3: Exactly. Mm. Do you want to have a kid being raised where his parent could die at any moment because he's always going to war? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it would have been great, and that's not always the case, even in our current world. But you know,
0: it's a lose lose situation, though, because yeah, it's a
3: question Dumbledore had to ask himself.
0: I mean, in the end, Harry ends up with a completely crappy upbringing from the Dursleys. So it's like you either have the chance of living a life where you're loved and, you know, you're cherished, but you're not spoiled to the point where you'd be a brat. And, you know, you have this yeah. possibility of your parental figure dying or you get treated like complete yeah. crap, beat up by your cousin and but, you have two very awful parental yeah, figures. Yeah.
4: True. yeah.
5: But I mean, as Dumbledore said, they were the only family he had left. So if there was no family left, it really begs the question what if he went somewhere else? <laughs> I think we killed
2: it. <laughs> Alright, now this week we're going to wrap things up with Chicken Soup from the MuggleCast Soul. This one comes from Katie, 17 of Chicago. She writes, MuggleCasters, I want to thank you all from the bottom of my HP-obsessed heart for getting me through some tough times. I suffer from chronic, severe migraines. When I have a bad migraine, any amount of light is blinding, any smell is toxic, and I get a bit irritable and try to avoid all human contact. During these times, I listen to MuggleCast, and when nothing else can, it brightens my day. Not bright enough to worsen my headache, of course. I sit in my room, lights off heat pack on my face and i hear you guys talk and theorize about harry potter aka my reason for living (laughs) and i get through it thanks so much you have no idea how much little things like this can really turn someone's day around it's emails that like that that keep us going because yeah. we always like to hear how we're and up helping until now. You, I've only so. heard of me giving people headaches. And- <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> I mean, I'm shocked. I am too, Eric. I, there's like there's like this giant death toll, and there's this tally I, in a whiteboard somewhere, and now they're going to have to buy a new whiteboard just to do like the 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 save people to reasons you know, people Eric's saved, good for it now. There aren't many. <laughs> I'm but. just kidding, Eric. But I, l- I completely agree with what Jamie was saying earlier before the show about these, uh, you know, chicken soups gradually getting worse. And worse <laughs> <laughs> until somebody's going to be, like, covered by a hundred tons of rock and listening to MogulCast
1: <laughs> and, like,
5: burst.
2: <laughs> well, on that note, that does wrap up MogulCast 37. Oh, my gosh. We're so old. 13 episodes into our one-year anniversary. Ooh. And wow. MogulCast 50. What good time. Wow, that's brilliant. Crazy. So, on that note. What?
5: No, actually. um, Wait, what note is that? Uh, C. Is that C like minor. a high
4: G? C minor. C minor. C minor?
1: C minor!
4: C minor. C minor. On that note, he's Andrew Sims. She's Laura Thompson. He's Eric Skull. He's Kevin Steck. And I'm Jamie Lawrence. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good
0: night. Good night.
1: Hey, MuggleCast guys. This is Amanda from Tampa, Florida. Um, I just want to say that I love your podcast, and I listen to it every weekend. as what I look forward to all week. And my, I must say that me and my friend Megan love their show the day. I love you, Jamie. that this is Josh
2: from Salt Lake City, Utah. You guys rock. Um, love the show. Thanks. Hi, MuggleCast. My name is Karen from Ohio, and I really adore your show and all of the MuggleCasters. who've been and Lauren, you're the best. I called to ask everybody who is listening for donations to help women who have breast cancer. Two of my friends and mothers are suffering from it, and both of them would really appreciate it if you would donate to Help Find a Cure and support those who have breast cancer. If you would like to donate, go to www.breastcancer.org and click on Support and Community then click on make a donation. Next, click on donate to this fund. It doesn't matter how much you donate, but it would really mean a lot to me and my friends. Please contribute. Thanks again. I love MuggleCast. Bye.
3: Hi, this is Kevin from Long Island. I'm, I really don't have much to say, but love your show. I was playing Harry Potter and Goblet of Fire and thought of you guys, so I thought I'd call and say what's
0: up. Um, yeah. Whatever. Peace out. Ma cool cast. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Yahoo! Woo! It, it really makes be, me... Sorry, know. Jamie. It really okay, makes me... Worry. uh. One- <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 Thank you, Jamie. Uh, I feel so warm and fuzzy inside now. <laughs> anyway...